Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcasts, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting guru Mark Zweig and his team of experts straight talk in your ear. Mark has more than 30 years of experience helping AEP and environmental firms thrive, and these podcasts deliver his invaluable management, industry, client, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts let you develop professionally, wherever you are. Hey, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. We are excited to bring you some of the best and brightest minds that the design industry has to offer. This time, I didn't have to go but about four doors down from my office to find one of the brightest minds in the Zweig Group space, and that is our own Richard Massey. Uh, Richard heads up the Zweig Letter, uh, which is I think the longest running newsletter in the design industry. It it's got to be. Yeah, it's run continuously since 1992. And Richard is at the, the helm of the Zweig letter. And uh, we have entrusted this uh, special publication to him. And he's doing an amazing job. And, and uh, man, how long has it been, Richard? How long have you been here now? Uh, I've been here for two years, but is I it? did freelance for the Zweig letter for about eight months. So. Right you know, two and a half years. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. seems like time. I remember when you first started and it's like, man, you, you, it's like time just, just flies. So yeah, it does. It waits for no man, but no, we're, we're excited to have you on the podcast. It's been a while since you've been on before. And, you know, our format is a little different now. We're not as formal and as buttoned up as we used to be. So we, we have more of a, a free flowing style. Um, really wanted to kind of catch up with you and just find out what's going on in your world. And I know the, I think the last time before there's a lot has happened since you last were on the podcast. I think you traveled halfway around the world and uh, drank some good red wine and, yes. and had a really great time doing some research. Is that right? I, uh, or at least we'll call it, I'm using air quotes here, we'll call it research. Yeah, and I'm using air quotes when I say research as well, but uh, <laughs> I was able to take a well-deserved uh, research vacation to uh, the southwest corner of France, an area that's known by several names, but uh, Gascony is the uh, is the most famous name associated with it. And uh, of course, the capital of Gascony is the uh, most famous wine city in the entire world, Bordeaux. Oh, yes. And so it was great to, uh, France is the motherland for me, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and as is England. So uh, it was really nice to, you know, I get off the plane in this place and I don't really speak French, but uh, I felt at home 
pretty quick yeah. and I never got homesick. And if I had would have had a thousand more dollars in my checking account another week <laughs> of vacation, I certainly would have stayed uh, without hesitation. Absolutely. Yeah. No, well, I, I certainly, um, it kind of coincided with our week at the Hot Firm event. So, it did. Yeah. But it was, uh, I kind of lived vicariously through you uh, because we were halfway on the other side of the world. We were in Seattle. And so there were several hours between us. So I, oh, could, yeah. I could wake up in the morning and see what you were experiencing for dinner. And then, yeah. you know, that evening I would check out what you were having for breakfast the next morning. So it, yeah. was, it was a lot of fun following you. I, I love that. That's the that's thing about uh, social media and the internet that, you know, we time, we kind of take for granted and you, you, you assume that it's always been there. It was never like that. I mean, 10 years ago, I could have never followed you like that. Right. And, and you know, uh, uh, social media gets uh, overcrowded with a lot of the political stuff right, and, and, right. and everything. But at the basics, uh, you know, I was in a, in a little uh, town called Bergerac, uh, <laughs> which is on the Dordogne River. And they have their own wine appellation there. And the bells were ringing and I was drinking the wine. Yeah. And an old friend of mine from college, you know, sent me a note on Facebook saying, I wish I was there drinking wine with you. Yeah. And that was special because uh, it's like, yeah, I wish she would have been there too. Right. You know, right. but yeah, it, you know, it, I think we sometimes we overlook just the, the basic goodness uh, that you can get out of social media, which is keeping up with the people that you love. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. forget all the politics and, and all that stuff. And just remember that. You know, you have connections and yeah. that, it's, that you can stay connected through that medium. And um, and that's what I use social media for. I really don't get into all the other stuff. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. Well, that's awesome. Well, today I wanted to uh, talk to you. You 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 came to me a couple of weeks ago and just said, hey, you know, you're, you're really working on some. There's a couple of things that you're working on, but specifically this episode, we wanted to talk about um, public-private partnerships, also known as P3s. Um, and really wanted to kind of get into the 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 nitty and the gritty of this this um, process and 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 learn a little bit more. I know there are a lot of our clients and other firms and people that are listening to this that are involved in a, a number of public and private partnerships. Uh, and so really wanted to just get your take on this article, which I think is coming out sometime after the first of the year. Yes, yes. Uh, in, in addition to uh, being the editor of this WAG letter, I'm also a correspondent for C Plus S Engineer Magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I write a feature story once a month for that publication. This one will be coming out January 1. And uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun putting this article together because there's a lot of promise with the public private partnerships however there's also a lot of questions right, right and so right. it's not a done deal yeah. uh it's not just something that uh governments are going to roll out and say oh this is a new delivery model we're going to do it um so knowing that there were a lot of question marks around um the public private partnerships made this story even uh, much more exciting to uh, put together because, you know, it's not set in stone. Right. Uh, Right. Like, you know, you pass bonds, you pass taxes, you build a bridge. That's the old way of doing business. That is set in stone. Right. Uh, But the public-private partnerships, even though they've been around for a while, and even though they're well-oiled machines in other countries like Canada and the U.K., 
Here in the United States, it's still the wild, wild west as far as P3s are concerned. Right. Yeah. And I know that there's not a lot of, you know, you hear about these projects and some of these I didn't know were uh, public-private partnerships, but, you know, you hear about some that that some of the larger ones, um, when you think of them, would be like the North Tarrant Express in Texas, uh, which I believe is, uh, that's either, I think that's probably finished, uh, the light rail purple line in Maryland, which is part of the metro system. And the other one I know about is the Gordie Howe Bridge from Detroit to Windsor, Ontario. Yeah, now that that's going to be that will be a flagship P three program when and if they get all the uh, uh, T's crossed and all the I's dotted. You know, they had to push back the RFP process on that uh, by quite a bit because they're still trying to put all that together. But an international bridge between two countries, um, if the Gordie Howe Bridge goes the way, you know, the planners want it to go. Right. Then that'll be a huge shot on the arm for P3. Right. Because you don't get any bigger than an international bridge between the United States and Canada. Exactly. So that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's way up at the top of the food chain. Okay. Okay. Well, that's cool. So, you know, you described, um, you, you, you wrote in your, your, um, you talked about the standard model, the public sponsors uh, control of each phase, design, construction, finance, operation and maintenance of the project's life cycle. And then under the P3, a single private entity, which could be a consortium of several companies, assumes responsibility for multiple phases, accepting long term risks in return for prospective rewards. Um, transportation P3s feature user fees or tolls. Or in other instances, government resources committed via long-term contract known as availability payments, according to the U.S. Department of Transportation. So there are a number of ways to to kind of pull this process together. Right. Yes, there, there's quite a few. But obviously, uh, when it gets down to it, the big one, uh, the one that's going to attract most attention and most of the controversy and the one that's probably going to be used the most for the bigger programs is where the uh, the private aspect of the partnership pretty much comes in right, and right. does it all. Yeah. And, and so they design it, build it, maintain it, finance it. They do everything. Yeah. And of course they take all the risk, yeah. but that's the one where, you know, it looks like you could have controversy because uh, as the article states, uh, P3 legislation is all passed at the state level. Right. And, you know, there is a lot of uh, political division in this country at this time. So think about, you know, local state legislations that are split along party lines trying to figure out what all needs to go into this legislation. Yeah. And then yeah. the age old, what I call the regulators, <laughs> you know, we don't want you know, this big private company coming in and telling us what to do. Right. And, and that kind of sentiment is out there. Um, and, and I point to that uh, as one example in my article, we'll get to that later. But that's what makes this whole process interesting is that it's not a federal standard that's been hand, handed down from Washington, D.C. This comes down to local legislatures and then, you know, also filters down all the way down to city councils and county boards. Because those are the ones who own the infrastructure. Right. Okay. Right. And the, the federal government owns some, but the vast, vast majority of highways, roads, bridges, airports, and whatnot are owned by the local and state governments. Yeah. So they're the ones who have to 
figure out what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, I remember, you know, you, you see signs where something says such and such a private tollway and you're like, private? How is it private? This is a public road. And it's like, well, not exactly. So, right. Yeah. You know. Well, you know, the road's private, but the private, uh, the road's public, but the the entity that's controlling access to it and access everything. to it and the yeah. funding and all that stuff is certainly a private company yeah. and and they're making profit. Yeah. And yeah. you know, especially in the AE industry, you know, we always talk about our margins and you know, where where are you going to make your money and and, and in construction and uh in the early life cycle of a public private partnership is where uh infrastructure firm or big engineering firm is going to make their money. Yeah. In that first, you know, seven to 10 year span when right. the risk is really high, obviously the reward is really high. Right. And so, but it is a money-making venture. And so uh, a private entity is not going to go in to work on a big program if they don't think that they're going to make a good return on their investment. And right. that's just a fact. Right. And that's how some of these programs are going to die on the vine because they'll get floated by state and local governments and there's not going to be any takers out there because how are we going to make any money? Right. Right. (laughs) So that will play into it. Yeah. I mean, there's a definite market factor here in, in this whole, that's wrapped up into this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, as you know, we're, we're here in Arkansas and I, I I drive a lot to Tulsa and I also drive down to Texas and there's a lot of tollways down there and almost everywhere you go, it's like, Hey, don't even worry about it. We'll just send you a bill in the mail and you know, you'll get something via, you know, via the registration of your license and it'll just go automatically there. But you know, these folks figure out a way to get their money for, for your access to those special roads. Oh yeah. Well, Texas has, uh, I don't think they have the most advanced, but one, of the most advanced uh, public-private partnership systems in the United States, yeah. and I go down and visit my sister in Dallas-Fort Worth. That's quite right, you're from often, Texas, yeah, and so. just paid one of those tolls <laughs> yesterday, right? Uh, and I got a letter in the mail, uh, but it's a nice road, yeah. And I'm on the uh, Sam Rayburn Tollway that yep. takes me from McKinney uh, into Arlington, okay, and uh, it's a nice road, yeah. It, it kind of peters out at DFW Airport. And then that's when the road gets worse. Yeah, you could tell. You know, the so the the P three uh, road through there um, is pretty nice. Okay, okay. Well, that's cool. That's very cool. So, so talk talk a little bit about um, just you know the, some of the firms that are involved uh, in this. And I know you mentioned some of the big boys. And as I was reading this article, since you shared a, an advanced copy with me, you were so kind to do that. Uh, as I was reading the article, I'm wondering how are the smaller firms going to get a piece of this kind of work as as I would as suspect that more and more P3s will will uh will happen in the, in, in the coming years. Sure. Well, uh first off, the first part of that question is uh there's a uh, an advocacy out there that was founded in 1985 called the National Council for Public Private Partnerships. Okay. Uh based in DC, and they have a lot of members. Uh some of the ones that I uh reference in the article are is Arcadis US, of course, that's one of the biggest firms in the world. Yeah. Uh Bostonia Partners 
uh, CH2M, of course, mm-hmm. and they recently merged with uh, Jacobs. Yep. And then you've got a, a public entity like the uh, Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Which is huge. Which is, yeah, yeah I mean, they, they move more people on a daily basis than, <laughs> than anyone else. Yeah. probably in the world, except for something out of like Beijing. And then, you know, you've got the, uh, you've got the purple line in suburban D.C., and the, the consortium on that is Floor. Meridium and Star America, so you really don't get any bigger than Floor, right? right. And and so the, the way I see the smaller firms getting involved with this is probably uh, if they formed a consortium of, of their own, um, or if they kind of uh, piggybacked, or you ever see the 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 wildlife uh, uh, TV shows about the sea, and you see like the whale. Going yeah. and there's all the little fish, fish that are on side on, of the big whale. Yeah, sucking on them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little you know, craze and stuff yeah. like that. And I think a, a lot of the smaller firms, if they want to get involved with P3, would probably somehow be Partner subs yeah. or or form their own consortium that joins a larger consortium. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see how all that plays out. But right now, uh, P3, uh, I mean, the big, the big. The big boys, the big dogs are the ones that are really the muscle power uh, behind what's going on out there right now, from what I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, as you as you were saying that, I do know that one of our clients, which is not a huge firm by any stretch of imagination, but they they are working on the Purple Line project. Oh. I, I would imagine that they are a sub to yeah, probably and, a bigger firm. Right. There's a, handling a, there's a pyramid structure it, so, to yeah. these things. And as you dig further and further down, there's more people and more firms that are uh, interlocked into it. But obviously, the ones that are going to uh, move the dial are going to be the floors and the CH2Ms of the world. Yeah. Now, are we seeing, I mean, is P3 uh, a phenomenon? I mean, obviously, we're seeing it in other parts of the world. Is it a little bit more organized elsewhere as opposed to what how it's happening here? Yeah. In uh, the big countries where uh, they really have it, of course, you know, Western Europe always seems to be a few steps ahead yeah. of the United States when it comes to innovation. Okay. In certain forms. Right. Obviously, the United States is a powerhouse for tech. Um, but when it comes to infrastructure, the United States is still functioning how it's always functioned. Um, and as someone who recently returned from France, I was on a toll road over there. Okay. Uh, a big one. I think the A63 uh, south of Bordeaux. And um, it was a nice road. But um, Australia, Canada, and the United Kingdom have uh, well-advanced uh, super structures set up for P3, and that's basically their policy over right, there. Right. And so um, why that's the case, I have not delved that <laughs> deeply into it, but um, everyone talks about the UK uh, and Canada and Australia as being leaders. Of course, France is in there. Um, they're always trying to figure out ways to move that civilization over there, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, and so it just hasn't caught on in the United States like it has over there, but in United Kingdom and Australia and Canada, uh, there's more of a, you know, a national focus on that as a way to get it done. Okay. So <clears throat> what, 
Now, what tell me about, you know, what the prognosis or outlook is for P3 in the future here in the United States. I know you had mentioned um, that some of the bigger firms are, are making efforts to really um, get involved in this area. And I think you mentioned Louis Berger uh, sure. and, and some of the work that they're doing. So you want to talk a little bit about that and just how it's in the minds of some of these big multinational firms, how are they trying to embrace P3 here in the United States? Well, the the big uh, firms are, are behind it because they know they can do the work. Right. And uh, I think the prognosis on it, I mean, it's here to stay. And I think it'll grow. However, um, you know, n- not all 50 states have P3 legislation. Yeah. And some states, uh, like Texas, have very open legislation where you can do pretty much anything, whereas in Nashville, Tennessee, the capital, uh, they recently passed legislation where P3 can only be applied to transit programs. Right. Okay? So that's a big difference between transit, which is your trains and your subways, as opposed to interstate highways. So, um, you know, they passed very narrow legislation. Colorado... Um, has pretty open legislation, but they had to tweak it. And there's a big uh, dust up at the state legislature there, not too far in the past, uh, about how to tweak their legislation so as not to scare away the bigger firms. And their biggest fear is that they don't want to walk into a close-knit neighborhood right. with everyone looking over their shoulders, so to speak, with this very narrow legislation and this big huge review process uh, because the firms, they know what they're doing and they want to play by the rules. But if everything that they do is subject to full review by this big giant council, you know, with 50 people on it, you're never going to get any work done. Right. Right. And so that's one of the big issues with state-to-state legislation, which we have in the United States, is you could go to California where it's wide open, and then you can go to Tennessee, and there's a lot of constraints. Yeah, And yeah. so that's where the prognosis is, is that um, it's a minefield out there, <laughs> and that you can figure out how to do your P3s in Texas, but you'd have to rewrite the playbook if you're going to do P3s in Ohio or California, yeah, or yeah. California, because yeah. everyone's going to have their own little peccadillos in there, right? Right. And you know, one little difference in the legislation could translate into millions of dollars, uh, you know, in change orders somewhere down the road if you didn't do something right and you thought that you had. Yeah. Well, that's how we always did it in California. Well, you're not in California anymore, right? Right. And so that's the prognosis: is that it's it's tricky. Yeah. Okay. If you're going to be a firm that wants to do it in multiple areas, and and that was told to me directly by uh, a gentleman by the name of Leif Dormzio, who's quoted in this article. Uh, and he's who, with Louis Berger, right? And he's with yeah. Louis Berger, right. and he comes from, I think, the uh, D.C. Department of Transportation. I mean, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, right. That guy went to Harvard. Yeah. And, um, and that was what he was talking about, is each state, you have a different... Uh, set of challenges as opposed to one boilerplate uh, set of regulations that you have to navigate. Yeah. Now you and you mentioned and that that I mean it's it's perfectly encapsulated in your story by I guess some of the challenges that Nashville's mayor uh, Megan Barry is currently 
facing yeah. uh, with a major project that they're trying to do because Nashville has just grown by leaps and bounds. It's yeah. not a sleepy little southern town anymore. It's not the the home to country. I mean, it is the home to country music, but it's now the home to the Nashville Predators and, you know, great cuisine and a, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So Yeah, well, you know, at, at one point in time, I'm from the South and they used to call uh, Nashville the Athens of the South. Right, right. And right. as you're driving through, you can see the Roman Greek columns, right. you know, up on the hill and, right. and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, Nashville used to just be Music Row and Vanderbilt University. Uh, those were both hallowed institutions, but... And you don't usually think of Nashville as being out at the forefront of anything yeah. except for country music. Right. But yes, times have changed. Huh. And they're looking, I think it's a 5.2 billion. Billion with a B. Billion with a very big B on there. Yeah. And what they want to do is, I think it's 26 miles of light rail. Uh, the big ticket item, of course, would be digging a tunnel underneath downtown. For these transit lines to run, yeah, and so I I, that thing kind of popped out. uh, You know, all of a sudden, you know, Nashville's got one of the biggest proposed public works programs in the nation uh, that would could transform that city for the foreseeable future. So that's what they said about the big dig in Boston. That's what they said about the big dig in Boston. (laughs) But um, yeah, we all know. Yeah, (laughs) I hope Nashville can learn the the lessons there. Exactly. Exactly. But but the thing was is that uh, it got me to thinking. You know, what's Nashville gonna do? So I got in touch with the mayor's office, and sure enough, they said that P three will be on the table for that. Okay. And they have the enabling legislation uh, that gives that authorizes public-private partnerships in in the transit space, which is what they're trying to do. Of course, uh, to raise the money on the public side, they'll have to raise the sales tax, the hamburger tax, the everything, every tax that they have, car rental tax, basically any tax that they have uh, in the Nashville uh, metro area would go up. And um, so before you can get to any kind of fancy public-private partnership there, you have to have an old-school, old-fashioned bond election right? Uh, in, in the early part of the new year. Um, so I think a lot of people around the country, and hopefully people are going to read this article in C Plus S and and put their eyes on Nashville, because uh, if a old, sleepy southern town like that can stretch its shoulders and pass a $5.2 billion bond issue and run a P3, then that is transformative. Uh, then you'll, you'd see a lot of people really wake up because right. um, it would be unexpected. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that would really be, to me, uh, looking at P3, that would be the most recent arrival, so to speak, of the P3 model if Nashville can pull it off. But uh, Mayor Barry certainly has um, opposition. Yeah. And there's going to be people that say we don't need it. Hmm. And there's going to be people that say we're not going to raise taxes and pay for something that other people are going to get to use. Right, right. So there's... It's interesting dynamics. Yeah, the old school street fight has to happen first before you can get into the newfangled... Uh, and I think you're going to get into that every, everywhere you go. It's almost like when you charge people commuter tax to come into like New York City from other places. And, and it's like, you know, nobody wants to pay for the infrastructure that's needed to make 
you know, especially commute, commuting and, and, and transportation more feasible and more manageable. Uh, it's, it's one of the biggest challenges that we have is that people are, you know, spending hours and hours in their car and traffic and this and that. And we know that, you know, in an enlightened society where, where we really take into consideration the needs of everyone, um, there should be ways for us to mitigate the kind of time that we spend in our cars nowadays and find more um, palatable solutions for everybody to get from point A to point B. And uh, I know when I lived over in Europe, it was so much easier to get around and like, Germany. oh gosh, I could yeah. go, I could go anywhere, I could go anywhere in any city, and I could literally get almost to the doorstep of where I was going. Here, like, let me just living here in Arkansas, it's like forget it. I mean, if I if if I can't afford an Uber and I don't have a car, I'm screwed. And oh yeah, it's just yeah. it's just yeah. the way it is. So, yeah, and know. and and again, that goes back to the old inertia. And the old uh, momentum in a, in a particular direction that we have in the United States is I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to get out on the interstate. Right. And, you know, we're going to pass a bond issue and every once in a while. And that's just the way <clears throat> things are. P3, I don't know anything about that. Right. And they're not going to want to know. Yeah. And that's one of the things that uh, 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 Todd Herberg's uh, with the the NC. P3 in DC talks about is if you really want these things to to work especially you know in a state that's not seen as that progressive or in an area that might not be that progressive uh where it's never happened before is you need someone to come out and say this is a good deal yeah someone who's respected like in Arkansas that would be governor Asa Hutchinson right, at, right. as a great example he would have to come out and say you know, redoing I-40 with the P3 is a good idea. Right. Uh, if he did not say that, I could not imagine a P3 ever passing in the state of Arkansas. Okay. Me, personally. Right. Uh, but if Governor Asa Hutchinson came out, or whoever the governor was, and said, hey, this is a great idea, we need to move cargo, we need to move people, yada, 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 we need to get behind this. And and that's where P3 is for most places, it still needs what they call a champion, someone who's going to come out, someone who has a big position, high, pro- high profile elected official, or maybe even a leader of industry yeah. uh, to come out and say, this is a good deal. And until you have people coming out and saying that, uh, P3 is still going to have its issues. Right, right. And, and they, that's in the official... Language as yeah, well yeah. that the DOT is putting out. Okay, right. they they know this, and so this is not just one guy saying this. This is you have to get people behind this, or it is not going to fly. Huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, certainly there's there's still so much that's up in the air, and that that will need to happen, as you said. And and I think our dialogue is important because you know we get it out. We might get this idea or information into the hands of some people that have been talking about it. And, you know, there's so many different platforms and ways to, you know, get the message out. And sometimes it's just the little things like your article and this podcast and, you know, so many initiatives that are taking place around the country where people see the benefits of this type of public private partnership um, that where, where it really takes hold and, and gains some roots and, and really, um, you know, ultimately happens. Yeah. So. And, and, you know, they fail too. Yeah. And they, you know, several of them have been bailed out. So, 
you know, the, yeah. there's still it's that trial perfect. and error. Yeah. And it, and it gives credence to people who say, we don't need this. Right. Uh, because they do fail. Yeah. And so that's what makes this whole thing interesting is that it's, uh, um, you know, it's still, at least for the American market, it's still in its infancy, really. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. California is always ahead of everybody. Absolutely. They're, you know, Florida. Yeah. You know, they're always first. In Texas for that Texas, yeah. yeah. But the true proof in the pudding is going to be Michigan, Ohio, you know, Missouri, Kansas, Arkansas, you know, the guts of the country. Right, right. And that's where it's really going to, we're really going to find out if this thing is going to be it or not. Right. Because, right. yeah, California's already in 2050. Yeah. So, so it, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I, I will be, uh, you know, we'll be, and we'll be around to see that too. So that's good. That's the interesting thing. It's really only 30 years from now. So, I mean, hopefully I'm still around. Hopefully you're still around. It'll be interesting to see what comes to pass. And at yeah. that point they'll have other, they'll have other, other boogeymen to other, deal with. Other, so, yeah. Other yeah, stuff, you yeah. know, and, uh, Hyperloop and yeah, all, exactly. you know, all that. Oh, we don't need roads anymore. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we got a Hyperloop. That, so. so yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see the long-term, uh, in general, the long-term evolution to infrastructure in general here in the United States, because we all agree uh, stuff needs to happen. I mean, the you know, the highway system is one of the things that made the United States a superpower. Yeah, exactly. Because you can go to other countries and you can be out on dirt road yeah. real quick. Real quick, yeah. Or, or a, one and a half lanes, not even two lanes. Right. In right. a blink of heart. Yeah. And we all know that if you've traveled and, and the United States is one of those rare countries where everything's paved until you get down to the, up into the wood County area, the deep woods. Yeah. I mean, everything else is done. Yeah. And so, uh, we need to keep that going or we could fall behind, you know? So anyway, yeah, it's a fascinating Subject, and that's why I write about it because there's always a big story out there to write uh, in the engineering space. Oh yeah, uh, well I can't wait. I can't wait to the art. I mean, I've read the article, but I can't wait to see it come out and and print. And we'll we'll make um a copy of it available um via our show notes so people sure. can kind of get get a closer look at that. You know, while I have you, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about some of the fundamental changes that have taken place in the recent past with the Zweig letter. Oh yes, okay. You know, um, why don't you? I mean, I, I won't steal your thunder. Why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the changes that have made that you've actually championed? You've been a big, we've been in meetings together and you, it's been a big thing for you. Um, yeah, sure. Well, uh, my day job is uh, as editor of the Swag Letter. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it was a conversation that went back and forth. And finally, the decision was made to uh, make the publication free. Right. And uh, we did not uh, make it smaller. We did not downgrade the content. Uh, it's still a 12-page weekly newsletter in full color uh, delivered to your inbox every Monday. Yeah. But what we did is we made it free because what we realized is that rather than this wag letter being a profit center, it would be more valuable if we were disseminating more information to more people. And it's amazing uh, just in the last couple of months, uh, the Zweig letter uh, circulation, national circulation, has increased by thousands. Right, thousands, yeah. uh, several thousand, and and the subscriptions keep coming in. Um, 
daily. Uh, but that that's the big change. And, um, you know, it's been exciting for me because I've always thought we had a good product. Uh, and now to be getting it into more hands of more people uh, and, you know, in more parts of the organizational charts of these firms, um, I think is uh, it's been a watershed for the newsletter. And, and of course, uh, what will happen early in the new year, I'm going to wait till the all the holidays are over as I will put out a note and um, I will be recruiting a few new writers. Okay. And I'm going to try and get, you know, like that young PM uh, up and comer, someone who is extremely passionate about his or her uh, position at whatever firm they're at. Yeah. Uh, to start talking about uh, what they go through. And I want to put people on a quarterly schedule. So four articles a month. Uh, but if I could recruit five or six writers on that, that's a lot of information. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and, and be a little choosy about who comes on. Um, and, uh, but really try and uh, focus on getting people from great firms uh, that uh, are clients of, Swag letters or associated with swag letter or not. Yeah. And um, one of the things that we've just recently updated the uh, CEO questionnaire for a, a, a feature that we run every week called mm-hmm. Conference Call, where we ask a CEO, I think, uh, 12 questions about uh, running a firm and company culture and, um, you know, how do you deal with your PMs and you know, how do you hire in a tough market and Whatnot, just a lot of nuts and bolts about uh, how these CEOs uh, handle the monumental task of running a profitable uh, AE firm. Right. And that's not going anywhere anytime soon. And we've just recently updated that questionnaire and they're just now starting to come in and, and they're great. Yeah. And um, so, you know, we want to share that with as many people as possible. And I'm sure you can give it a plug. Uh, you just oh, go absolutely. to the swagletter.com and scroll down to the bottom and hit subscribe. And all you have to do is put your email address that's in there. It. And that's no it. name, no phone number. No name, we don't need no a phone blood type. Number. We don't need anything. No money. <laughs> yeah, you know, no you don't money. have to give us your astrological sign. Right, right, right. Your zodiac or anything well, like and, that. And, and the nice thing is that we can sign up a whole company. Yes, uh, we can sign up a whole company if you wanted to send a CSV uh, Excel spreadsheet with five email addresses on it or 500. It doesn't matter. We'll get them in and yeah. everyone will start getting it. Yeah, every Monday. Every Monday yeah. around 11 o'clock right. Central Standard Time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, there you have it, folks. I I, I don't think I could put it any better. Um, the Zweig letter is, in my mind, in the immortal words of C- Clark Griswold from um, – Christmas vacation is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, or maybe that was Rusty, his, uh, his, uh, his cousin. But anyway, somebody said that. And, and I think the Zweig letter is, is one of those gifts. And, and especially now that it's absolutely free. Yes. Um, you need to take advantage of it. Uh, you need to get a copy for yourself. You need to make it uh, must, must have reading on a regular basis. And I think you will be um, the wiser for it. So, yes. yeah. So I really want to encourage you to take advantage of that. And uh, as always, we will publicize that on, on every issue uh, or every episode of the Zweig Letter podcast, and we'll talk about it. But, um, you know, I mean, that's that's pretty much, I mean, Richard put it best. So, well, man, we, we're so glad, glad to have you on. And, yeah. and I know you're getting ready to, to, to get out. We're actually recording this show a couple of days before Christmas. So the office is abuzz with all kinds of holiday activity and peanut brittle and 
wine and well, I don't know about wine, but there's all kinds of stuff flowing around. Yeah, definitely here, peanut so. brittle. Definitely peanut brittle. Yeah, so which yeah. gets in your teeth, but it's good. So okay. Um you yeah. say something? Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, I hope all the listeners out there appreciate what you heard today. And uh, I look forward to being back here on the podcast soon. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll have you on in 2018 for sure. We'll probably have to do a follow-up to this whole P3 um, situation. You've also working on some other pretty amazing stories, which I, I we yeah. definitely want to, we'll be talking about and yeah. and teasing in the coming months. So there's a, there's a lot happening. I think 2018 is going to be an interesting year. Uh, a lot of changes afoot, uh, in the, in the infrastructure space, in the design industry. So it should be, should be quite interesting. And, and so the, all of, all of you firms out there that consider yourselves to be on the cutting edge need to continue to listen to the Zweig letter podcast and also, uh, subscribe to the Zweig letter just to stay uh, on the bleeding edge of, of what's happening and what's changing in this industry. So Richard, I want to thank you again so much for coming on, man. We really, really appreciate you. I hope you and yours have a, an outstanding holiday season. And uh, we, we uh, want to thank you again. Yeah. Happy holidays. Thank you folks. Listen, I really appreciate you taking in another episode of this wide letter podcast. We really appreciate you. We appreciate our listening audience and we hope that this uh, episode was good for you. Uh, we love your feedback. So if you get a chance, when you have a chance, um, the Zweig Letter podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, uh, YouTube, to name a few places. Uh, on any of those, you can comment on our our um, our episodes. You can also write a review. We would love a five-star review. Um, you can leave any kind of information or feedback for us. We we take it all in and we constantly listen to our audience because we want to grow and, and and provide the best product possible. So we appreciate you guys so much and, and thank you for listening. I don't have to tease the fact that the, you can get a free um, subscription to the Zweig Letter podcast. Richard's already done that. Uh, all that information is available at ZweigGroup.com. Just hit the Zweig Letter link and all that information is there for you to sign up and get that free uh, weekly subscription to this wide letter. So we thank you so much again. And uh, just remember, we exist to make you more successful. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to this Zweig Letter podcast. We hope that you can apply Mark's no-holds-barred advice to your daily professional life. For a free transcript of this or any episode of our podcast, please visit info.zweiggroup.com slash podcast. If you want more wisdom and inspiration, in addition to information about finance, HR, and marketing your firm, subscribe to the print or digital version of the Zweig Letter online at zweiggroup.com slash publications.